As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Thanks for joining us. Uh, this is something we call the Game Podcast Bonus Feature. came to mind uh, a few weeks ago when we sat down with Julian Lawrence and uh, the response was very good, so I hope you all enjoyed it. We're going to try something similar this time, and this time I'm joined by Alison Rudd. Um, and we're going to be talking about Paolo Di Canio taking over at Swindon. Lots of implications. Now, obviously, I, I am somewhat familiar with uh, uh, Paolo, given the fact that I spoke to him three times in the past week, and I co-wrote his uh, uh, his biography. Um, right. That in that case, in that case, Gav, let me tell you what I know about Paolo Di Canio, All right. and then you fill in the blanks. What yes. I know about Paolo Di Canio is he he was marvellous when he was playing in this country and, and so many people adored him he was a joy to watch but more interestingly I thought was whenever you interviewed um, players who were training with him they would say people like Joe Cole they would say I'm learning everything everything I'm learning I'm learning from him he was obviously had time for the youngsters and was a good teacher so I'm not surprised he's gone into management what I also know about Paolo Di Canio is that he's been accused of making poor decisions um Nazi type salutes why does he do that for example and yet opting to go to Swindon strikes me as being an incredibly sensible and level headed thing to do to learn your trade properly properly the way that De Matteo did so fill in the blanks that's the myth as I see it well I'll take these one at a time um, I mean on, on, on the training front if you if you speak to the managers who've worked with him generally it's all the same thing some people will say ones who don't like him like Fabio Capello for example who really doesn't like him will tell you that you know he's he's a nut job and he's arrogant and he's big headed um, but I don't think anybody's ever questioned um, how seriously he takes care of himself as an athlete um, and that's basically what, it, what enabled him to play right up until he was sort of 38, 39 years old um, you know West Ham they'll come out and tell you about how you know, he'd come in, he'd get the keys to the training ground so he could come in and train when, uh, you know, on, on days off. Um, he, he, took the, um, he took the coaching course at, at Coverciano in Italy, both getting the B license and the pro license. And for what it's worth, and it is quite an academic course, he finished uh, first in, in both courses out of a class of sort of, uh, I think it was 58 one time and 45 uh, for, the, for the pro license. So he certainly, you know, combines the knowledge of the ingredients of management with the hard work that he put in, that, that, that he put in as a professional. But do you, do you agree that to be a good manager, manager you need to have that, like, like a good teacher wants to teach, if a good coach wants to instill good technique in youngsters? I mean, that, that, that was to me the first sign that he might make a good manager, that he bothered to spend time with people he didn't need to. He wasn't being paid to coach. No. 
Did you have? Do you yeah, know about I think, that? I, again, his attractors would say that it's because he's a prima donna and he wants to be center of attention and he wants to feel like he's looking after the younger guys. But the reality is, he did put the time in, um, and um, and that's certainly something that um, that he's very keen on is on, on on sharing what he knows and what he's learned. Uh, the main concern is obviously that you know he's a very outspoken. Um, he's certainly a very outspoken player who certainly made some very big mistakes throughout his career. But he'll come out and tell you, it's like every time I made what you guys call a mistake is I always paid for it myself personally. But now that I become a manager, I realize that I'm not just responsible for my own decisions. In the past, I could, you know, I could say what I thought and be like, all right, I'm Paolo DiCano, I'll take the consequences and nobody can say anything to me. Now, as a manager, if I make a bad decision, um, the whole team will suffer. So in other words, now I'm responsible for sort of, you know, a, a squad of 18, 20 players. Um, time will tell if, if that's actually happened. It's interesting. I think most people in Italy didn't think he could make that transition, which is why nobody in Italy would offer him a job. So how, do, how, do, how does Swindon find Paolo Di Canio? What is, what, how does that work? Well, he's, he's made it very clear. I mean, he loves his country. He loves England. Uh, he loves Scotland. He loves the football over here. Um, he's, you know, I think he would have loved to have been the, the West Ham manager. Um, I think that's still one of his... I think I mean, there's no question about it. The two teams that are in his heart are obviously Lazio, for obvious reasons, and, and West Ham. And I don't think there's any question that um, that is his ambition one day, to manage one of those two clubs. Um, so he's put his name out there. And, uh, you know, Swindon, obviously, after the relegation, they're going for a big name. I mean, he's, he's, not, in it, he's, he's not in it for the money, obviously, because he's, he's made enough at this stage. And uh, he's actually going to make less than he was making as a television pundit. And what does what does he say about the Nazi salute? And do you believe what he says? All right. Well, this story is a few years old, but um, but it but it but it uh, always comes up when anyone mentions him. Yeah, now. But because we're not very imaginative, because we always think of one original thing to say about about somebody, and that's the first thing that comes to mind. But it obviously was controversial. He would say it's not a Nazi salute. Um, he would say that it's a Roman salute. Uh, Italian law and most of Italian opinion would call it a fascist salute, uh, which is actually banned and illegal in Italy, which is why he got into a lot of trouble when when he did it. Um, he says this wasn't a political gesture. He, say, he, he comes out and he says, well, look, you know, uh, 40,000 Lazio fans make that salute every week. It doesn't mean that they're fascists or, or, or Nazis or, or anything like that. This is what Lazio fans do. Uh, the Lazio are a team from Rome, and this is, this is how they, they greet their players. And we as players, we can't greet them back in the same way. And I went and I did that. And there's no political meaning to it. Now, the interesting thing is, having said that, he doesn't deny the fact um, although today I wouldn't ask him, but we wouldn't want to talk about it because it gets twisted every which way. But he's written in his uh, in his autobiography that I'm rather familiar with, as you would imagine, <laughs> um, that you know he considers himself um, on the right. Uh, he considers himself, you know, part of the, the. He's got this fascination with with Mussolini. He's a fascination with with what how Mussolini, in his opinion, went off the rails. Um, or as he describes it, um, he, he, a wonderful quote, he says, Mussolini was basically a, a, an ethical and principled individual who then put his ethics and principles aside for what he thought was the greater good, and that is the mistake he made. He says something to that effect in the, um, uh, in, in his, um, in, in the autobiography. Of course, 
when it gets quoted in the media, because we're journalists and we twist people's words, they just saw that Mussolini was basically an ethically and principled individual, <laughs> which, you know, is sort of like saying, like, um, Harold Shipman was basically a nice man until he became a bad man. But anyway, um, so that's how so it explains that. I don't think his politics have ever really interfered with his day-to-day life in football. Um, will they interfere at Swindon? I mean, already we've had the, the local, one of the local trade unions have, has withdrawn their, their, their sponsorship of the club. Um, I think it's just a few thousand pounds, but, you know, every little helps. If you had to sum him up with five adjectives, what would you use? Yeah, I'm definitely unprepared for this, but... Um, okay. Um, They're more truthful just coming off the top of your head. Okay. Um, intense... Uh, talented, hardworking, center of attention, and pure. Pure. He doesn't. He doesn't fake it. He doesn't hide. He doesn't fake. He doesn't. You know. He says. He says what he believes. I think more than most. The most footballers, more than most people in society. You know, he's very. He's very straight ahead. And the other thing too is. One of the, I don't know, I want to go back to his politics, but one of the reasons that, um, you know, we, one, the political thought that's most often associated with him, you know, is basically this sort of rejection of globalization, this rejection of laissez-faire capitalism, this rejection of big corporations, this rejection of consumer society, this embracing of trade unions, uh, ironically. Um, and I think the way he lives his life is, is, is very true to that. What do you predict he'll do at Swindon? You know, I don't know enough about the players who are there <laughs> to be able to say that they'll come back up. I mean, I know, um, and there's another irony there, of course, because uh, a couple of managers before him was Danny Wilson, who, of course, was his manager at, uh, at Sheffield Wednesday. But, you know, this is a club that was close to making the playoffs um, for promotion to the championship not that long ago and then just kind of melted away and, uh, and of course, were, were relegated. It seems to me that I think Swindon's sort of natural place in the, the football food chain is probably championship, higher echelons of League One. So, you know, he's taking over a club that you would expect should get relegated. I, it should take over a club that you would expect should get promoted. Um, I think if he fails to achieve that, then, then he will have failed. <laughs> iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.